Want to know why your interiors or images don't look like the ones you see on your favorite social media feeds? What if I said I could let you know and show you what's missing and how to transform your spaces with clarity and confidence? The truth is creating beautiful interiors is simple when you know the right strategies, but most people go about it the wrong way. This is why I created the Styling Masterclass. It's the only program that simplifies the art and science of styling, giving you the clarity and confidence to take your interiors to the next level and attract your dream customers or clients so you can make your creative dreams finally possible. This is for you if you're an interior designer or photographer, have an Airbnb, a homeware shop or e-commerce business, and you want your interiors to look like the ones you see in your favorite books, magazines or Instagram accounts. Come learn how to style using my signature method so you can elevate any interior and create compelling imagery, which is your most effective marketing tool if you're selling a product or service in the world of interiors. Any successful business owner knows that styling is your secret weapon to cut through the visual noise, stand out from the crowd and grow your business. Styling is something that you don't want to leave to chance. In today's world, images are everything. This is why leading interior designers and architects always use stylists to finesse their spaces for photography to make sure they've got incredible imagery that they can use for their socials and website. Come learn how to make styling not only an essential element, an easy way to create content for your socials and website, but learn how it can propel the growth of your creative business. If you're serious about creating beautiful interiors and a business you love without struggling in obscurity, this is the program for you. I'm going to share my process and give insights that you're not going to get anywhere else because I've been working as a professional interior stylist for the past 15 years. The Styling Masterclass will give you that clarity and confidence you need to take action and connect with your dream customer or client so you can make your creative dreams possible. Go to nataliewalton.com forward slash next level to learn more and enroll now. Enrollments are open for only a short time. So please, if you're interested and you're ready to take your interiors to the next level, go to nataliewalton.com forward slash next level. I'm Natalie Walton. And this is Imprint, a podcast about creating a home and life you love. Hi, everyone. Before we start today's episode, I just want to thank you so much for listening and sending so many wonderful DMs and emails about how much you're enjoying the podcast. It means so much to me in so many ways. Part of the reason that I created this podcast was to share the lessons that I've learned over the course of my career and life in the hope that it can help you. Maybe you're a younger version of me or you're my sliding door moment for anyone who remembers that film. Whatever the reason, I really hope that you find these episodes helpful or inspiring in some way. And if you haven't already, it would really mean so much if you could subscribe, rate and review this podcast wherever you're listening to it today or share with a friend that's something that I often do when I find a podcast or an episode that I know will help someone in some way along their journey. All right, let's get on with the show. This week, I'm focusing in on one of the big life lessons that relates to my home, 
And I think some of you might be able to relate because it's something that I get asked about all the time on Instagram whenever I ask for feedback on what you struggle with at home. It's about dealing with clutter. And a big part of this is to do with letting go of stuff, all that stuff that's within our homes. So I just want to share a little bit about my personal experience with this because in many ways, I actually don't have any trouble getting rid of furniture or homewares or my clothes, my children's clothes, any of those types of things. I actually find it quite easy to let go of those things. But there are other objects that I really struggle with. And these are some, some of the more pe personal pieces within my own home. These are photos, journals, books, and magazines that I help to create, as well as tear sheets from my portfolio and kids' drawings. So these are things that have got a very special meaning for me. And yet they're in boxes or have been for a very long time. And I've moved homes a lot and they've moved with me from one home to another. And since my children have recently gone back to school, since um, the lockdown and restrictions have eased within Australia, I've slowly started making my way through some of these boxes because I do feel very settled in my home that we will be here for many years to come. And I really want to get rid of some of these objects or work through them at least and do something because obviously when they're in a box, they're no use to me. I've certainly, with the photos, I would love for the children to be able to access those. I've got so many photos on my phone as well, which is a whole other story. So I've really been trying to work through this process of, of letting go or at least organizing in some better way the things that I have that have just been in this sort of, in my office, in the boxes, and to sort of get what feels like control over my life in that area. So this was something that I was thinking about as I was creating the book, Still the Slow Home. And I actually asked my friend, Courtney Adamo, who features in the book, to write an essay on her ability to let go, because it's something that I have noticed that she's very good at doing. Obviously, uh, some of you will know her. If you don't already, then go to, I think it's episode two that um, we talk about some of these things. And she packed up her family. They had been living in London for about 12 years. They had at the time um, four children and went to travel around the world, sold off lots of their possessions. And it wasn't just about letting go of the possessions, but they, the children went to a school that they really loved. Um, she had built up a really great life for herself in London, recently renovated a home. And I was interested in how could she let go of this home as well that she had so thoughtfully and lovingly created to embark on this new chapter. So I got her to write an essay about this way that she's able to let go of things. And I was really interested in her answer. And I want to share that with you, or at least a little bit of it, and then go on to how I've tried to apply some of these lessons into my own life. So this is what Courtney said when I, I sent her a whole bunch of questions about how she was able to let go of all those things. And she said, I sat on these questions for a few months, reminiscing on the roads that have led me here and the many turns we've eagerly taken, pondering that question of why. And the truth is, I still don't have an answer. I guess I find it equally puzzling why some people can't let go. The idea of being so laden with attachment, 
so anchored to the one place makes me feel as uncomfortable as imagine one might feel about my ability to let go so easily. And so then she goes on to give an example of her process of letting go of her things within her own home. And she said, it wasn't the chairs that I was attached to. It was the memories and milestones they symbolized. As I walked back into our home, I had a sudden sense of feeling peaceful and free, that I could let go of stuff knowing that I would always be able to hold on to what was most important. That's the thing about letting go. It allows you to acknowledge where and how you stand in the present moment, untethered from the past and empowered for the future. And that was what resonated with me so strongly after reading her essay, was this idea of looking to the future rather than the past. And it really had quite an impact on the way that I thought about these memories that I was holding onto and the type of life that I wanted to live as well. But as I mentioned, as I've sort of been going through some of these objects, I do think that there is a place for some of the very personal things, although it is a matter of working out which ones you want to hold on to. So this past weekend, I've continued this journey of going through all of these boxes. And I actually, I think I've said this a few times, but it is true that I don't cry a lot, but I actually kind of was in tears as I was going through these boxes because I found all of the drawings from where my eldest son, Charlie, he's about to turn 12. And these were some of the drawings and the artworks and the creations that he made when he was probably about three years old. And I remember so distinctly, there was this one particular artwork and he was never into drawing in the way that a lot of children are. He would always create things instead. And so he had these buttons and glue and he, the glue was so thick on the paper that it was kind of crunchy, the paper, but he put all these buttons on the paper and he said, this is Africa. And I just remember seeing him, and I can still so vividly recall it now, seeing him sitting at our dining table in our house in Sydney and him layering this glue and these buttons and talking the whole time. And it just creates this huge feeling and emotion within me, even now thinking about it, of the child that he was. And it's so hard to let go of this. And really, the thing that's beautiful is not the drawing. You know, it's this memory of who he was and the child that he was in those days and our relationship and those special days when your children are so young. And sometimes it can feel, you know, overwhelming when you're with them all day, every day. But it's also this incredibly beautiful time. And so as I was going through these boxes, I was recalling, I could vividly recall with every artwork, the ones that I had kept, that these were these special moments and these special days. But of course, it wasn't the artwork 
that was special. It was the memory. And that's what I kept telling myself. And so I went through the process and I culled a whole heap down because some of them were just repetitious. And I, I know that at times when life got busy, I just put the artworks in a folder and then I put them in the box at another time. And so they weren't a curated edit of these um, artworks. So I went through them and I got rid of all of the obvious choices and I showed my husband and he said to me, because I said, you know, I've okay, I've, I've managed to get it down to this pile. These are the piles for each of the children. And he said, why? Why are you holding on to them? And I told him about this artwork and I got the one out of Africa with the buttons and the glue. And, and he said, you know, he doesn't necessarily want that. And you've got the memory. You don't need to hold on to it. And, and I knew he was right. And it was my emotion and it was all about me. It was nothing really to do with Charlie. And he probably doesn't even remember creating it. And if I was to hold on to this artwork for when he was 18 to give him a box of all these artworks, it's not going to really have any meaning for him. Certainly not that one in particular, maybe some of the ones when he's a little bit older. But really, that's all about me and my memory of that moment. And so if I'm holding on to it, I've got to be realistic that I'm actually holding on to it for me, not for him. And when I made that distinction, I actually realized that I don't need to hold on to all of those things, that I still have those memories and they are part of who I am and that I can't keep lugging these boxes around with me from room to room and house to house, although I swear I'm not going to move again. I've moved more than 20 times in my life, maybe even 30, and I sort of feel like it's time to settle down. But um yeah, I had this really strong moment of realization. So I wanted to share with you some of the other thoughts, though, that I've had over the years when I've been able to let go of other objects within my own home. And also, like I said, children's clothing. I haven't really kept on hold of anything from my children's clothing. And they've certainly had some beautiful pieces, but it actually makes me feel better to know that someone else is going to get use out of them and joy out of them. And so I actually happily pass on clothing to friends and people that I know, because I think it's so nice to see those pieces live on. And I think that in many regards, when my children are older, they're not going to have the same attachment to those objects. I mean, it's again, it's me who has the um, attachment to the pieces. So I think it's nice that they actually get used and move on. And it's the same with my own clothes. But here are some of the things that I always try and remind myself when I'm going through this process of trying to get rid of stuff or let, letting go and getting rid of clutter within my own home. So as I mentioned, the first is that it's the object isn't what's valuable or worth holding onto. It's the memory. And so as much as possible, I think, do I actually really need to hold on to this? Do I have the memory instead? And if I still want to try and hold on to it in some way, then one of the things that I sometimes do is actually take a photo of that piece because I can hold on to the photo and that's so much easier to store than carting boxes around. And of, of course, like I keep saying, 
when things are in boxes, you're not actually using them anyway. So it's just storage and it's just sitting somewhere gathering dust and you're not actually engaging with it. Another thing that I say to myself is when everything is special, nothing is special. And this is something that I heard from Bethany Douglas. She's got an Instagram feed called Closer to Way. And I always love the way that she writes and her perspective on life, and in particular, how she raises her children. And I remember her once saying this, and it really resonated with me in a very strong way that when everything, when you're saying that everything is special, nothing actually becomes special. And I, so I repeat this quite often to my children as well. And it's something that I do find that relates to children in particular, especially when it comes to their toys. If they have lots and lots of toys, they can't actually see the forest from the trees. It's just a mound of stuff. But I do find that the fewer toys that they have, the more they, they, they engage with those actual pieces. So and this is something that I do with, with them is that I only have a certain amount of toys out for them at any given time. They actually don't have that many, but I will then pack some other ones away and then I sort of rotate them. And this is something that they do in childcare centers quite often that they sort of will rotate different toys, bring different ones out for the children to play with. And it's like Christmas again when they see, oh, you know, we haven't seen these magnetiles or this Lego or whatever it is, and they get excited for it all over again. And it's something that I think is really good to do with children because I do think that they get very overwhelmed quite quickly when there's just so much and they just can't even see what they do have. I do find this also with myself when it comes to books. When I have so many, I really have to think about, do I actually plan to read this again? Am I going to use this again? Is it useful to me in some way? Or am I better off passing this on to somebody else who might find it useful? And there's also the same with photos, that when you actually have hundreds or tens of thousands of photos, which is certainly the case with me because I take photos all the time for my work as well as for my children, then you actually don't get to appreciate hardly any of them because they're just in a mass album on your phone or maybe on your desktop. And so it's such an important exercise to then actually go through that process of creating albums, which is what I'm in the process of doing now. Although I will share some tips about that a little bit later in this episode. So the third question that I ask myself is, who are you holding on to this for? I touched on this a little bit I, when I mentioned that, you know, this drawing, this artwork that Charlie created of Africa, it actually has more meaning for me than it has for him. I don't even think he would recognize it because he was really quite young when he created it. So I think it's being really honest with yourself about what you're holding on to and why you're holding on to it. And I think that you know, this idea, particularly when it does come to our children, because that's probably the biggest stumbling block that I have with myself and within my own home is the pieces that relate to them. Because obviously they're so special to me. My children are so special to me and what they create is so special. But I have to be realistic that, 
you know, they don't necessarily need to hold on to every school book and school project from when they started school. I mean, I've got four children and this again was one of the things that I let go of recently is that my children every year at their school, they do a lantern walk as part of their school's winter festival. And so they make these really beautiful lanterns and they walk around the school and it's such a beautiful ceremony. And I had kept every single one of their lanterns. Now, at this point, I've got three children going to school. So three sets of lanterns for every year. And I had this moment of thinking, why am I holding onto these? Of course, they're lovely. And it's nice to hold on to things, perhaps for a period of time. But I can't go for, you know, however many years they're going to be at school and hold on to every single lantern that each one of them has made. I mean, I would need a whole room just for those things. So I could take a photo, but I didn't even actually do that. I just thought, no, it's time to let go. And again, when they don't see it, they're not attached to it. Certainly if I was to suddenly bring them out, they would say, I know that they would get perhaps excited, but then they'd move on to the next thing because they just get excited about things in general. So that was one of the things that I let go of. And I thought, you know, who am I holding onto this for as well? It's not necessarily for them. I mean, they've had that memory. The fourth thing that I often ask myself is that if I haven't used it already or done something with it, then when will I? So Again, this goes back to, in particular, I think about this in relation to my my travel photos. So some of them are still, I you know, I used to print out photos when I was traveling a lot, uh, probably about twenty years ago now. And I've even got photos a lot from when I was at school and some of sort of my teen teenage years. And, you know, some of them haven't even been put into albums. So there are certain things that I have to think of why am I still holding on to these things? And if I haven't done anything with them, then do I need to really keep holding on to them? I've got a friend who has got some amazing costumes from when she used to perform on stage. And this is something that we've been talking about and she's been holding on to them. And I do think we had a conversation about it and I was suggesting that perhaps you know, these things, it's it's about holding on to the past rather than necessarily looking forward to the future. And she subsequently said that she does plan to sell them because then with the money that she can get from selling those objects, she can actually buy something that's going to help her with the next chapter of her life. So it's certainly, I think, useful to think about if you're not using them and they're just sticking in storage, then why are you actually holding on to them? I also ask myself, and this is number five, about how will I feel when I have let go of it? And sometimes that can actually help me push me to the other side. And I actually ask myself this question as well in relation to work. Sometimes I do things because I don't want to let people down rather than it's actually what I want to do. So I think if I didn't have to deal with this problem or if it suddenly went away, how would that make me feel? And if I feel like I would actually be really relieved that I don't have to do that job or have that responsibility or whatever it is, then I know that actually I'm doing it for the wrong reasons. So to really ask yourself 
about how you will feel if you don't have to deal with it. I think that that's a bit of a sign that perhaps that you should let go. So listen to that. Number six is this idea of sunk cost biased. If, and I definitely ask myself this in relation to furniture and pieces around my home. If I had to buy it again, would I? And if I didn't, or if I wouldn't buy it again, then I know that it's it's time to let go, that give it to somebody else who will get more use or utility out of it because I'm holding onto it for the wrong reasons. I'm holding onto it because I've spent the money rather than it's something that I actually would buy again if I had the opportunity. And I do feel that sometimes I have a bit of a depression era mentality. I I really hate to be wasteful. And I think that this perhaps come from my parents. Um, you know, they didn't have a lot of money when they were growing up. And, you know, we were sort of similar and I certainly learned to value things. So I don't like to be wasteful with things, but at the same time, I think that it can be to my detriment when I just hold on to things because I know how much money's been spent on something or how much it's worth rather than what it actually adds to my life. Number seven is to change your habits. And I think that this is something, this is, I guess, the next step. So to be aware of all these feelings and what they're creating and why I'm holding on to things. But to obviously be aware of the feelings that I'm creating now and not wanting to repeat these patterns and these habits and these this behavior so that I don't get into this situation again. So I think that it's really important to introduce small habits and to be vigilant and to build it into our daily life. And so this is very easy example to share, I guess, in relation to photos. So now I go through a process where at the, every, at the end of every day, I just go through the photos on my phone. I delete the ones that I don't need. I favorite the ones that I like the most. And so the plan is that then I can quite easily create an album at the end of the year. Whereas if I just don't do it and think I'm going to do it in one go, it actually becomes very overwhelming quite quickly. I've been listening to the author, James Clear, who has got a book called Atomic Habits. And I really love what he says about this. He says, every action you take is a vote for the type of person you wish to become. No single instance will transform your beliefs but as the votes build up, so does the evidence of your new identity. So it's really this idea of small changes lead to big improvements and you're better off to integrate small habit changes in your daily life rather than trying to do things in one big sweep. And I think that's why then I quickly become overwhelmed and feel sometimes even over-emotional about things. So to really just build it into a habit as part of my daily life. And that's the strategy that I'm employing right now. And hopefully I will be able to share with you in due course how that has helped me as well. So I hope that some of these ideas have helped you in some way. And I would really love to know what works for you and how you've managed to let go and move more into the life that you want to live. So please come and share your experience 
any tips and lessons you've learned over at our Facebook page, and I would love to see and read about them there. You'll also find show notes for this episode at nataliewalton.com forward slash podcast. You can also send me a message at Natalie Walton on Instagram. And please don't forget to subscribe, rate and review and spread the love on Instagram. Thank you to Jaeger Media for producing this podcast and the people of the Bundjalung Nation where it was recorded. Thank you so much for joining me today. I look forward to connecting again soon. I'm Natalie Walton and you've been listening to Imprint. Imprint.